0: If your spider plant is looking peaky, and that Venus flytrap you bought just kicked the bucket, you need On the Ledge, the podcast about indoor gardening, where you learn everything you need to know to keep your house plants looking lush. I'm Jane Perone. Join me and a host of wonderful guests to chat all things
1: house plants at On the Ledge podcast.
2: Welcome to the Miles to Memories podcast. I'm your host for the week, Joe Chung. Sean has the week off, but don't worry, we've got a great person filling in. Ryan is fresh off an 11-a-week trip around the world, so we talk to him about all sorts of things like dealing with last-minute COVID tests, contracting malaria laundry so you don't want to miss it there's so much to talk about about his trip but we just hit a few points so hopefully you enjoy it and definitely check out his articles on the site about the trip if you want to read more if you're enjoying the podcast just a few quick things to ask you you can if you could please leave us a rating and review on apple Podcasts. that would be really great it really helps the podcast to grow or if that's too much you know if you're enjoying it just tell a friend but yeah that's about it so thank you so much for listening and let's get straight to ryan all right. What's up, everyone? Mark, how you doing? It's uh, weird to be in this chair, but hey, it's what we got to do.
0: Yeah. So a little technical difficulties. We got started a little late today with the uh, Diamond Live chat, but hey, we, we made it. So it was good. I, I, I saw had go.
2: Rick says you owe him 27 cents from his Patreon membership. So yeah. <laughs> make sure you send that quickly before he starts running the juice.
0: What's your PayPal, Rick? I'll, I'll shoot it over right now. The juice, yeah, exactly. Anyway, Uh, uh,
2: people are not here for us. We want to welcome Ryan, who is back from 11 weeks. I thought it was like 10 months, but I just read your article, 11 weeks on the road with your wife. Ryan, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks, thanks. We just got back like literally days ago, and we still haven't even finished laundry. It's just piling up back there and smelling.
2: On a trip like that, how much laundry did you have? How many times do you do laundry in like 11 weeks? Like, Are you a a once-a-week laundry type of people, or you pack real light, and you do laundry every other day. Like, how's it go?
0: You wear the underwear regular <laughs> side, and then you and flip then them you inside, flip inside, out <laughs> Then, then yep. you that then every two. That's every that, two weeks, <laughs> then Joe.
1: <laughs> we. It was a
2: serious
0: question, though. Okay.
1: Yeah. We. This is actually something that I that I mentioned recently is that I wish I had packed less and just done laundry more. We packed a good amount of stuff. And we could go like a good two and a half weeks, almost three weeks before we really needed to do laundry. And I wish that we had just packed less and just done laundry more. Because at the end of the trip, we would kind of like wash some socks and some underwear in like the hotel sink or something. And then you could just hang it up and it's dry the next day. I wish we had just done more of that along the way. See, I know a lot of people that when they're going on longer trips,
0: they'll bring like their old underwear and their old socks and they'll just throw them away and then buy new ones like halfway through the trip and stuff. And I'm like, that sounds genius to me. Now, I know some of them do it with like shirts and stuff. That seems a bit extreme, but everybody has those underwear that maybe has like a little bit of hole here or there. And you're like, I should probably throw these away, but you no, know, I'll save them for my 11. Save them, Yeah, where they like sag down. I'll save them for my 11 week
2: trip. Don't worry about it. I mean, we definitely... Actually, I don't do that with underwear, but with everything else, I actually do do that because my drawer is full of clothes that I never wear. So I'll pick some things that I'm like, okay wearing, but I'm like, okay, it's time to get rid of this. And then what I'll do, because you always pick up crap when you're on the road. And even if you don't pick up crap, like you can't pack as efficiently on the way or I can't package sufficiently on the way home than i did on the way out and so you know i'll just shed you know i've left shoes in europe i actually feel bad in europe sometimes because i don't know how their uh trash systems work and stuff like that or like if you're in asia like you know you have to have combustible trash and stuff so it gets confusing but
0: light your dirty underwear on fire (laughs) (laughs) The, the underwear
2: doesn't even take up that much space so it's like it's not even worth bringing underwear to throw cuz it doesn't even it
1: doesn't even free up that much space. Yeah, I had a hard time figuring out if my underwear was compostable or should just go in the normal trash bin. <laughs>
0: I think that's one thing, like longer people that travel for longer trips, they find, you know, one thing is to find clothes that you can versatile, like the pants that will zip off into shorts so you can wear them when it's cold or hot and different stuff like that. Maybe like a vest that has a fleece that has, you can take the sleeves off to make it a vest and stuff you can wear multiple ways, I think is the trick, but I'm weird. I love to travel, but I'm also a homebody. I can't go for longer than like five or six days. I just, it's not for me. So 11 tricks, just (laughs) 11 weeks just sounds
1: torturous to me. That was something else that I mentioned. And if we were going to do this again, that would really help us with also packing less stuff is to stay in like kind of one temperature zone. We started the trip. We went up to the U S and had Thanksgiving with my parents. Then we went to Mexico. So since we were like at the beach, we had packed flip-flops and swimsuits and we packed our snorkels because you can always just like walk out into the ocean and snorkel it's a free activity then we went to turkey and it was really cold there so we had packed coats and hats and gloves so being in all these kind of like different sets of weather meant more stuff we had to pack so we had beach stuff then we had like jeans and long sleeves then we had coats and hats and gloves as joe said, it's like yeah you accumulate stuff along the way We just got back and this week we have three relatives in my wife's family have birthdays this week. So we knew like, oh, we need to pick up. We're going to have a birthday that we need to give somebody a present for the week we get back. Let's just buy them a gift while we're here. So we wound up Yeah, accumulating these things that since we had packed to the limit on the way out leaving on day one, that also meant now the suitcase was already at the limit. You can't put anything else in there. And all of these gifts now had to go into like my carry-on backpack for the next like six, seven weeks. And that became really annoying. Like you're just sick of looking at it.
0: (laughs) Ivan said in the live chat, who eats turkey after Thanksgiving? (laughs) Ivan is... In fuego he's dad today. Joke. He's a, he's, yes, he's dad, dad, He's killing the dad joke. <laughs> so, so Ryan,
2: with all that stuff, I mean, how much luggage are we talking here? Are you a carry-on only person? Because it seems that that would be impossible. And I'm curious, like how much are you lugging around on this 11 week trip? It sounds painful with all the winter stuff and the summer stuff and snorkels never fit anywhere. I've tried to bring them before and they like fit so awkwardly. So how do you do all that to bring, packing?
1: My wife went in to bring the fins, but I was like, that's just not gonna fit. Those are flat at least. <laughs> but But twice the size of a foot. So we each brought a suitcase, like a, you know, standard, like the normal, like kind of larger size suitcase. If we could do it again, I would try to, my wife's not going to get into the carry-on thing. She just doesn't like to have to deal with stuff going through the airport. She would rather just like walk to the gate and have less stuff to finagle with at the security checkpoint. Until her uh, luggage gets lost for like four weeks like yours. (laughs) (laughs) So I actually did check a bag on this because I knew we were going to be gone for a long time. I knew we were packing stuff for kind of like multiple sets of weather If we were gonna go again and we were streamlining and like, hey, we're just gonna let's go to places that are all gonna have kind of the same weathers, we can pack less, I might try to get it into just one of those large carry-on backpacks that's kind of like the maximum size limit And I think also we got kind of lulled into that like false sense of security at the beginning because our first flights were with business class. So it's much easier checking a bag, you get like higher weight limits. It's much easier. You have a shorter line at check-in, but then the long flights across the ocean, we took business class, but then just short flights of like two hours within, you know, from here to there, we took economy and depending on the airline, some of them had really different weight restrictions. So there were sometimes like I have one of those little portable scales. Were you one of the one of the guys that put on like fifteen layers and wore them all? <laughs> no, didn't didn't quite do that. But taking extra things out of the suitcase into your backpack because when we had packed, we packed up to like fifty pounds. But then there were some flights where they were only giving us like forty four pounds. So I needed to jam six pounds of crap into my backpack or like take out the coat and wear the coat, even though it's like a thousand degrees outside, but I'm wearing the coat on the flight just to get under this airline has a different weight restriction. So that stuff became kind of annoying. And if I could do it again, I would already plan for whatever is the strictest requirement that I think I'm going to run into in the next two months. I would aim for that and below it from the get go.
2: So is this the longest you guys have ever traveled? And we might as well finish the rest of your itinerary from here. You stopped off in Mexico, but... You had some
0: turkey after Thanksgiving, and then where'd you go?
1: Yeah, so this is definitely the longest my wife and I have traveled Together, And it was the first time that we've done really something big like this that connected multiple places. So the itinerary was, so we went to Florida, then to Mexico, then we flew across over to Istanbul. From Istanbul, we went out to um, Cappadocia in Turkey, and we did the hot air balloon ride, which I had posted about. From there, we connected over to West Africa and we stayed at this eco resort in the jungle in Liberia, uh, which was really interesting, but also very kind of cut off from the world for three days. From there, we went over to Ethiopia and we went to Ethiopia for Christmas because we learned a lesson from last year that (laughs) we spent last year in Budapest for Christmas and everything is closed at Christmas around Budapest. So this year, my wife said, we need to be somewhere where things are not closed. So we went to Ethiopia. From there, we jumped down to Zanzibar, which I wrote the review about the Park High at Zanzibar and all the problems that we had there. We were there for New Year. Then we went over to like the the Western, kind of more remote side of Tanzania for our safari that we planned. My wife went on the safari and I went to the hospital with malaria, which was a lot of yes. fun. Yes! <laughs> And then from there, we went up to Kenya. And this was the part where our itinerary actually changed multiple times, not only because of getting stuck. And then even after I got out of the hospital with malaria, I was in no shape to travel. Like I was just worn out all the time. So our plans changed kind of several times at that point because we had planned to go down to South Africa from there. But we saw the writing on the wall. South Africa is going back into a new lockdown. They're saying that there's like a new version of the coronavirus being found in South Africa. And we're like, well, what if we get there and countries cut off all flights from South Africa? And they say anyone who's been didn't in South wanna, Africa. You didn't want to end up like Zoe living <laughs> you, in South uh, Africa? You didn't want <laughs> to get stuck Sucking there. in Tonga. <laughs> we saw the writing on the wall. Like they're going to start cutting off. Hey, if you've been in South Africa in the last... 14 20 days you can't transit through our country and we were just really worried that uh it could cause problems for us getting home so we changed multiple times we wound up instead going to kenya because we were able to book rebook our flights and found availability out of kenya so we went there for like three days flew over to ecuador to go to the galapagos which was really interesting liked it a lot Probably in all reality, we would adjust to try to spend more time there if we were doing it again. Problem is it was also kind of the most expensive part of the trip because there are no chain hotels that you can stay at there, so you can't redeem uh, any rewards. So we we booked an Airbnb and yeah, it's cool. Like, you know, I earned points and stuff on it, but it became the most expensive part of our trip simply because we were paying for the lodging instead of redeeming. The end of the trip, Literally, we had planned to just connect back over to like the mainland of, of Ecuador, stopping Quito for two days just to like, you know, take the obligatory picture standing on the line of the equator. And also because we needed a place to do a COVID test before we could fly home. <laughs> Here's where uh, I told you guys that we got stuck there for like an extra week and a half. So the problem was we had an appointment to do this COVID test that we needed in order to fly home. Because we're only planning on being in Quito for like a day and a half, almost two days, we had an appointment at this place at like 4.30 and they had guaranteed results within 24 hours. We got there to the testing lab and the door was just locked and the gate is down and everything. And there's a security guard outside and told us, oh, they just locked up like two minutes ago. So since we couldn't get the COVID test, we're not flying anywhere tomorrow. So we desperately went back to the hotel, called a zillion places. And it, all these other places were telling us, yeah, results are in 48 hours, results are in 72 hours. There's just no way we were going to get our results back by the time we're supposed to fly home tomorrow. So we had to cancel the flight. And then the problem was within the next 48 hours, half of the countries of South America cut off all of their flights to Brazil. So we couldn't transit home. Peru cut off flights to Brazil. Brazil. Argentina cut off flights to Brazil, like a bunch of places cut off flights to Brazil. So it became a real problem for us trying to, like, we had made our booking using Delta Sky Miles, and they were having just a really hard time trying to connect us home. And they said, the next thing that we can get you on for a redemption is Saturday. And I was like, oh, Saturday, that's only an extra two days. And they said, no, so it's like next Saturday. So we were there, we were supposed to like arrive on a Tuesday afternoon and leave Thursday night. And we wound up leaving the following Saturday. Keto, I liked it. It's a nice city. There's some interesting stuff to do. It's it's really interesting. But when you feel like you're stuck there longer than you want to be, it really sours the mood. And after a while, we're like, can we just can we just well, go home? So Rick has a
2: good question in the Chat, which was, did you have to get tested going into any other countries or every country? Or, and like, was that a mess? And I'm curious, like, did you figure out testing on the fly
1: or like by country you already knew where you were gonna be testing? When we started back at the end of November, we flew into the US and the US wasn't requiring testing. Then we flew to Mexico and Mexico wasn't requiring testing. Then we flew to Turkey. Since we were there, they have started requiring testing, but at that time they weren't. So then when we flew down to Liberia, they had mandatory testing on arrival. You had to fill out some forms online and pay with your credit card. And then we took a test on arrival when we got there. We intentionally planned to just be there for three days because we knew Ethiopia's requirement was that you needed to have a test that was no more than three days old. And we figured if we left Liberia in three days, that test that we took on arrival at the airport would count for going to ethiopia and then in ethiopia we had read kind of some conflicting information about like tanzania might be starting to require a test but like maybe it's not official but they might be asking for it since we weren't sure we took a test in ethiopia before we went to Zan- to zanzibar just in case if they asked us for it because it was like kind of some muddled information. So we wound up being in Tanzania much longer than we thought. And we took a test before leaving there to go to Kenya. And then we took one in Kenya because we needed it in order to fly over to Galapagos. In order to get into Ecuador, you only need a test that's within the last 10 days. But in order to get into the Galapagos, you need one that's within the last four days. And we knew we were gonna lose a day of travel. So we took one just kind of at the ultimate last minute that we figured we could get it get the results and get on the plane flying out of Kenya, lose a day, then tomorrow go through the airport and stuff uh, the test will still be valid and long enough for us to get out to the Galapagos and then we had the one for home. So I guess that's Liberia, Ethiopia, Tanzania, Kenya, home. So we did five tests.
0: I think that's the biggest Biggest thing with international travel and maybe domestic travel, if they, if CDC does roll out what they've talked about or hinted at causing testing before flying is it, it's just, there's so much juggling going on and so much unknown and things are so much in the air up in the air. And then just trying to find a testing place and that added stress of, is this going to get back in time? How far out do I need to plan it? Like I, it's, it's too much for me, <laughs> but I, I like to go to like one or two places, not like seven or to 10. the the whole itinerary is stressful enough for me. And then you throw in all that stuff. And I I think that's my biggest thing against international travel right now for for myself is just the unknown, like, am I going to get locked out and then having to try to figure out where to get testing and how to get it done, um, which is probably in my head is worse than it, it would actually be but something that I think a lot of people probably have reservations against and
1: are worried about for sure. I think that's definitely something that right now if people want to take a trip that they need to consider is, first of all, understanding the testing requirements, not only going there, but also now coming home, assuming that if you live in the U.S., figuring out where am I going to get tested? The U.S. is accepting pretty much all kinds of tests, so that's good, versus some places are, are more strict and they only accept this test, so you need to find out and make sure you're getting exactly that The U.S. is accepting a lot more different types of tests. Hyatt also, um, all their properties around like the Caribbean, Central America, South America are offering testing if you have a confirmed flight to the U.S. So that is helpful. Different hotels have different requirements. Like I'm sure, you know, they're not going to test your whole family of five if you show up for like one night at a category one property. I'm sure that they have some requirements. A three-day reservation will test three people. It depends on the hotel. I haven't looked into it that much. But that's nice to know, hey, we want to go to like the Caribbean. If we go to Jamaica and we stay at a Hyatt, they will help us get this sorted out versus us just being on our own. So that part is at least helpful that can reduce some of the stress of it versus just being on your own and figuring it out so that that can help. But, um, you know, the CDC with their new information, they have said, you know, people need to take into consideration that not only the testing requirements, but what are you going to do if you test positive? Because now you're going to be stuck in this place. So what would be your plan? Uh, Is your work flexible or are you going to get fired if you don't come back for those two weeks extra that you have to stay there? So those are those are yeah, things that I think people gotta consider, you know, for sure. should consider, especially if there are multiple people involved. Because I'm not saying like risk, I'm just saying by mathematical probability. A one one person, me by myself, the odds are lower just by sheer mathematical probability. But if you start adding in like there's six of us and we go away on a you know bachelor party to Cancun the chances just by sheer number of people can go up that one of you could test positive and then what happens? So those are things that I think people should consider. What would be your plan B? If someone in our family tests positive and we can't fly back, what would be the plan B? Do I need to fly back because of my job and you have to stay here and do this quarantine? What would happen? And my wife and I discussed that when, you know, when our flights had been canceled and now we had been stuck in Quito for this extra time. Um, But, you know, we needed to get home. We have laundry and, you know, just like because we were going to be gone for all this time, we had withdrawn a bunch of cash from the ATM for my mother-in-law and like my wife's sister helped us with like bills and stuff that were going to be due that we couldn't pay online. But we, you know, we had only planned for that to go through the end of January, and we knew there were things that were going to be due this week. So we talked about, well, okay, now we've been stuck here for this extra time, and, and we're, go- we're on our way in the Uber to go do our test to fly home. If it would come back that one of us is positive, what would we do? And we agreed that the one who tests positive would stay, and the other one would go home as planned because – There's such a mess with our flights had been canceled and countries are canceling flights back home to Brazil. It could get even more difficult. If someone has an opportunity to get out, they should get out and go home. And that was a conversation that we had was if someone tests positive and the other one is negative, that person goes home. And and I think that people should just at least be honest about that rather than running into it because I think it creates more stress to have to figure it out on the fly versus if you have talked about it beforehand yeah for sure
0: proper planning or piss poor planning proper whatever sean always messes up however he messes that up (laughs) right joe (laughs) nailed it nailed it yes so yeah, on this trip, you did like two, you, you encountered two things that are my two biggest fears. One, we'll get to in a little bit with uh, sharks. Sharks freak me out. I know like as a man, I'm not supposed to admit my fears, but snakes and sharks are my two biggest fears. So you uh, you got in the water with some sharks. And the other thing is getting stuck at a hospital in a foreign country and dealing with that whole situation when you had malaria. So uh, people can read the article. I don't want to go into like the, the details of the whole story, but... Just the whole, I thought it was kind of comical, you couldn't get like fluids and you had to have like an Uber driver almost, (laughs) drop you off some Gatorade and stuff.
1: I guess you get used to the way things are at home and then when it's different somewhere else, it's a total shock. Uh, So with part of having malaria is that like, I had a really bad fever and the hospital's telling me like you need fluids, i hooked up to an IV. And then they're telling me like you need to drink some water so you know i pushed like the little button on the wall and when the nurse came i was like hey i'm running out of water can you bring me some more water and she gives me this like oh yeah, yeah just a minute well if you say just a minute what that means to me is i'm going to get one i'll be right back and it just like disappeared so then i pushed the button and tried it again with somebody else and then tried it again with somebody else and after like 35 minutes and five people like what is going on here and i'm like i jumped out of the bed in my little you know the hospital gown that ties but not well in the back and like pushed my little thing showing with the off IV your on your it.
0: uncleaned underwear that you that you flipped inside out like
1: pushing the little thing with the iv you know attached to this pole on wheels and i go out to the nurse's desk and i'm like i've talked to five people and you guys are telling me i need to drink fluids i'm running out of water where's the water bring me some water so that I can, you know, drink these fluids that you're telling me I need to drink. And they're like, you have to provide your own water. Come a- come again. <laughs> said, what? But they said, yeah, that's how it works here at hospitals in Tanzania, is that you have to provide, you know, if you want water, you need to provide your own toilet paper for like in the bathroom, in your hotel room. Yeah, like your family should bring all that stuff to you. And they're like, well, <laughs> you know, I'm not from here. I don't know anyone. And they're like you don't have any number of anyone that you could call. I was like, literally the only person I know in this town is that I have the phone number of the guy we booked our safari through. And they're like, all right, we'll call him. (laughs) So I had to call call the number of the guy who owns the safari company. Like, hey, uh, so uh, I'm in the hospital and apparently they don't give any water or anything. So can you go and buy like a six pack of those huge bottles of water and some Gatorade? I'm in the hospital with malaria. So he sent some guy who works for him to go to the hospital. And then when the guy came, I had to like go into the little locker in my hotel room and get out my wallet and give him money because he had used his money at the supermarket out of his own wallet. Oh man, it was just like, it's totally different. And I just expected... You know, I've only ever stayed at hospitals in one country, and I expected it to be the same, and it just wasn't the same at all.
0: Yeah, I could see maybe like charging people for hey, you have to
1: pay for water. Okay, but sure, put it on my bill. <laughs> yeah, that was and that was what I said as well. It's like you don't have any water here. Like I can't buy some water from you. No, so weird. Yeah, yeah it made so no sense to me. I had a room where, you know, there, there was another bed and somebody came to that bed and his family, you know, when he was coming in, he had family with him and they were, you know, putting out, they had brought some bottles of water and they had brought some things from home and and like toiletries. So they knew cause they're used to that system. So they had brought the stuff. Well, I had no idea.
2: It's like in uh three amigos when uh, Chevy chase is drinking the water canteen. If you know the reference, you know the reference. One quick note. I do not. Sad. (laughs) Three Amigos is so good. One quick note is uh, what I always forget is when Ryan says his home country, he means that he lives in Brazil now. So those of you who are tuning in uh, and haven't heard Ryan before, we probably should have said that off the top. And you might have picked it up when his final destination was Brazil. But Ryan does not live in the States right now. Although I'm guessing the States is
1: the only hospital experience you've had yeah grew up in growing up in the u.s so i've only ever stayed at hospitals in the u.s and that's where i thought i was gonna be they provide water nope After, the basic thing you need for survival at yeah, a hospital basic sur- they
0: don't they don't
1: where you have a fever and they're telling you to consume <laughs> liquids <laughs> fluids
0: are only mildly important when you have malaria they're like we gave you an iv you'll survive
1: you just won't be happy well, the funny part was that after I had like yelled at these people, and I was like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. What do you mean you don't provide water? So after I had kind of fought with them about this and then told my wife about it, once I got out of the hospital, we thought my wife should get tested for malaria because it gets passed from people to people by mosquitoes. And since she's been hanging out, Right next to me for all this time, she should get tested. And she's like, Yeah, but we got to go to a different place. I'm not going back to that hospital where you were arguing with everyone. <laughs> gonna, you know, kill me, <laughs> inject me with like, something. Hey, we got to go sure, to a different place. Make sure you give her the positive. <laughs> she said, We got to go to a different place. I'm not going back to where you were f- arguing with everyone.
0: So the other thing that you did, uh, you swam, you, you went scuba diving uh, to swim with Hammerhead Shark, which. Yeah. It's like, aren't hammerheads pretty uh, aggressive usually?
1: I don't think so. Um, No, is that not a thing?
0: Maybe it's tiger sharks?
1: (laughs) I think it's like tiger sharks, bull sharks, and great whites are the ones that are known for being aggressive. Yeah, we saw uh, hammerhead sharks when we were diving in Galapagos. That was like the main thing that we wanted to see was hammerhead sharks. Apparently, if you go to some of the like more remote islands, but you have to do one of those like live on board cruise ships it's the only way to get out to these like remote islands in the Galapagos and sometimes they see groups of like 400 so it's totally not for you mark
0: no <laughs> no like no shark cage or anything you're just you're just dive above them yeah uh, mm-mm, mm-mm, um,
1: no. yeah so we just saw three but it was like super exciting for us and what's funny is that we saw them literally right at the end of the last dive and we had kind of given up like uh, guess we're not going to see them that's a total bummer and then the you know the guide kind of signals like you know hey uh we should start heading up and as we're kind of swimming up then all of a sudden i see him just like and dive back down and like where are we going followed him back down and he had seen these hammerhead sharks that's crazy uh 400 man wow i don't think i could be anywhere near
0: that how about you joe you you going shark diving or what No. Thank you. (laughs) I get stressed in watching the movie Into
2: the Blue. (laughs) Honestly, though, in a cage, I think would be worse. I think I would feel even worse in a cage.
0: Especially when you watch those, like, shark attack videos, and sometimes the shark gets into the cage with the person. Like, I know it's very rare, but, like, there's been some where the shark gets all frenzied and swims up and wiggles its way into the cage, and and then the guy... Yeah, and they're just... (laughs) and then they pop out the top and then the guy pops up and he's like whoa i'm like no i should cage dive once just to say i did it i guess maybe to face my fears but open water i don't know if i could ever do that that's I'm good yeah <laughs> i like all my limbs attached i'm i'm am i'm a fan of my hands i guess
1: <laughs> speaking of fears and stuff on trips my my wife is afraid of heights And she was really nervous before we did the hot air balloon ride, thinking that, you know, it's like the, you know, there's nothing under us, uh, you know. And it takes off just kind of so slowly and gently that she was like, hey, this isn't bad. So that at least was one good thing. Like if there are people listening and, you know, we're talking about fears that people have. If you're afraid of heights, the balloon thing, the, the takeoff is just so gentle. You kind of were up in the air before you really noticed anything was going on. And my wife actually really enjoyed it. And she said that it wasn't bad at all, even though she's afraid of heights. How long is that whole, I know you, you did a write-up on it, but
0: how long is, why don't you tell everybody like what the cost normally is? I know you got a good deal because it was a dead period, but what the co- cost normally is, and then how long the trip is, and then the pictures you get from it. Like, the picture on, on the top of your post is amazing.
1: It, it's worth the trip just to get that, that picture. The ride is an hour, I think, pretty decent. And then you can pay more or less depending on, you know, if you want to go in, like, a huge group. We saw some balloons that had, like, 25 people with, like, a huge basket attached to it, and, like, 25 people crammed in there. Ours had, I think, 11 people plus the pilot. Which is a fair amount. I, I I don't think I would wanna do bigger than that. You can pay more and go for, you know, like a private one or ones that are only have like five, six people. Normal prices are between like two to three hundred dollars and right now because it's like dead per per, per person basic or per like a, per person. Right now because it's so dead in Turkey, they're selling if you show up like cash in hand, like don't book in advance, just show up in Cappadocia, and go to one of the tour agencies and say, like, here's fifty dollars. You could, you should be able to get one, like, for tomorrow morning, for fifty dollars a person, which is crazy. It's like a sixth of the price of normal. It's a huge discount. They're just like desperate for money um, because tourism has been so dead there right now. Did it seem like everywhere
2: was mostly desperate? For money, like places that normally like thrive on tourism, did it feel like everything was uh, distressed and people were just you
1: know happy for whatever business, tourist business you could give them? Not so much in Mexico. I think that they're still doing pretty okay. They didn't seem desperate. In Cappadocia, yeah, they were just super desperate for, for any kind of business that they could get. Zanzibar, no. Zanzibar was packed. Um, and the reason being is that actually Russian tourist agencies basically figured out that this is like the only warm place that people from Russia can go right now if they're trying to escape from the snow. And they were just like booking chartered flights left and right and just filling them up and selling the tickets. So Zanzibar was packed. There are tons of people. So um, so bring some vodka with you when you travel there. Yeah. And learn learn some Russian because man, we felt like we were the only non Russians there. I guess like it's a big thing around like Christmas and New Year. Russians who want to get away from the cold tend to go to like the islands of Greece or to like uh, Sinai Peninsula, to the resorts there in Egypt along the Red Sea, and couldn't go to either of those. And some, you know forward-thinking travel agents were like, well, where can we sell tickets to so, you know, that we can keep our business afloat? And they figured out that people could go to Zanzibar. And we actually talked to this uh, Russian guy and he was like, I never even heard of Zanzibar, but I booked the ticket because they told me this is the only place that you can go right now if you want to get away from the snow. And I booked the ticket and then went home and looked at the map to figure out where it was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome. That's that's funny. I find that trips like that where you have no expectations end up being some of your favorite ones. So I'm sure they probably loved it, too, even though they had no clue what they were getting themselves into. Yeah, no
1: idea. So Zanzibar was packed. When we went to Ecuador, the Galapagos, in order... Like when all of this stuff with coronavirus first started last year, the government of Ecuador basically just cut off the islands of Galapagos. Like no one in, no one out in order to not have anyone go into the islands and spread the coronavirus around they just basically cut off the islands so yeah they were super desperate they had only reopened travel from the mainland to the islands i want to say at the end of october beginning of november so it hasn't been that long and they were like desperate for any kind of business that you could give them i messaged a couple places on airbnb and i would say out of the six places that I messaged, all of them replied to me within an hour. They're like, yeah, it's available. Do, do you want to book right now? You can confirm it. Let's go. Like just almost desperate that hopefully that you'll book something and and that they'll get some money coming in. So it's a, it's a mix. It depends on Mexico. Yeah, they were fine because, they, I mean, they've still been flooded with tourists from the U.S. So I think the resorts and stuff around Mexico, they were fine, but lesser traveled places places that require more connections or more paperwork to go there or that had been like cut off and borders closed for a while the tourism industries have really been hurting.
2: So, wrapping things up, you know, you had a lot of great lessons in the post that you had. So, besides the pack for one climate, you know, focus on one climate thing, you know, any other tips you have for anyone planning to travel for an extended period of time? either internationally or frankly, domestically, I think some of the same tips probably apply. I think
1: for any kind of travel right now, the the biggest thing is that things are going to change. More than anything, like our good example is that our flight when we were trying to get from Africa, like back over to South America, changed just that ticket. We changed four times because everything is so... Hard to predict right now. I would just I wouldn't book stuff too far in advance. It, it's gonna change. Flights are getting canceled. This country doesn't allow flights to that country now, so you need to rebook. Or uh, you know the flights are not very full, so instead of running flights three times a week, now we're gonna only run flights to this place twice a week. I just wouldn't book stuff super far in advance right now. It can be tempting when you see a deal like you know, hey, six months from now six months from now that that flight's going to change a bunch of times and then it becomes complicated depending on what the ticket is and and who you're dealing with you're calling and you're waiting on hold to try to make some changes because the website's not letting you make the changes especially with our trip because there were so many parts involved i wish i wouldn't have booked things in advance and would just book like a, a week out it would have avoided since our ticket that changed so many times was with We had booked with Singapore Chris Flyer and you can't make changes to an award itinerary online. You have to call them. So I wound up calling them so many times about this ticket that we needed to change. And then we got an email that a flight had canceled. So now we had to change it again because things are changing so much right now. I would not book stuff too far in advance because it's gonna change.
2: I mean, that's a great tip. And I think that for non-planners or people who like to plan on the fly, it feels like right now, you know, this is your Super Bowl.
1: (laughs) Definitely,
2: definitely, definitely was not the Chiefs Super Bowl. Just got to say that. Oh, it was Um, a
0: terrible Super Bowl.
2: Terrible Super Bowl. But uh, yeah, for those of you who like to plan travel on the fly, you know, last minute, I mean, now is the time uh, to do those things. So let's uh, end with rapid fire. Mark, what you got for us?
0: Yeah. And on that point, if you like to plan everything out meticulously, you probably shouldn't be traveling. <laughs> not right
2: now. True, true. That's
0: not <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my rapid fire is the hundred and twenty-five thousand MX platinum offer is available on card match. We've had uh, numerous people tell us that they uh after trying the card match, uh they were able to get the offer, as well as there's a seventy five K MX Gold offer. Some people have had it even just pop up on their uh, American Express account, like when they go to americanexpress.com. So try both of those. Uh, we'll put the link in the show notes so you can click through to Card Match. And, you know, it's not a hard poll. You just put in your info and then it populates offers. There's no guarantee that you'll get offers from AMAC, but it's
1: worth a try since it doesn't cost you anything. How about you, Ryan? Yeah, speaking of Card Match, it never shows me anything from American Express ever in the history of my life. <laughs> I'm one of those exactly. people. Speaking of elevated offers, uh, my rapid fire is actually there are two elevated offers right now. Uh, one is on the Blue Business Plus, uh, which is a great card from American Express. There's that elevated offer of 30000 A lot of times this card doesn't come with any kind of welcome offer, so it's cool to see that there's this 30000 membership rewards elevated offer right now. It is targeted, um, so not everyone's getting it. And there's also an elevated offer right now on the... Uh, United Mileage Explorer card from Chase, 60,000 miles uh, as the first threshold. Then you can meet an additional threshold and get another 10,000 miles. I've written before about s- some cool trips that you could do uh, with the bonus from United Miles. So you could, if you're looking at that card, you could maybe dig up some ideas on things that you could do with those United Miles. What about you, Joe?
0: Am I might, oh, but before, uh, I think that might be my wife's next card. Cause she got denied for the ink cash. So moving back to personal stuff, might have to grab that elevated explore for sure.
2: And, uh, my rapid fire is Mark wrote a quick post called don't panic. Amex credits are delayed for pretty much everyone. Uh, I highly suggest you click on it. Although honestly, good on you, Mark, you explained everything in the title of the post.
0: There you go. I did it for you, Joe.
2: Thank you. But <laughs> no I'm reading it right now. And, uh, um well honestly what you need to know is in the title but i was worried i i wasn't worried because i think i've gotten past that point in my life but i noticed that mx offers were having a taking a while to track and i was like thinking about uh contacting them but thanks to mark's post i'm just gonna chill
0: <laughs> yeah i did get a message from my friend aaron today that she uh, i think like one of her credits from january 27th just posted today so That's how far backed up they are right now.
2: Yeah, computers are tired. Ryan, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing uh, about your trip. You know, we only scratched the surface of everything that you've done, and you have been writing on the site about it. And I assume Mark will have you write as much as you can until your fingers bleed. So please check out Ryan's posts on his trip on the site. But if people want to connect with you, Ryan, how can they find you?
1: Yeah, you can find me all over social media at Flies.
0: Oh, he got me!
1: Sick burn. Uh, Yeah, um, the easiest place to find me is you can come in on any of the articles that I write on Miles to Memories. If you're also interested in more content, I do a weekly or sorry, a, a monthly live event with our Diamond Patreon members where we look at award bookings, the best uses of your miles sweet spots, how to earn status with uh, hotel programs. We do deep dives every month onto different award booking programs or best uses of your points and miles. So if you're interested in that kind of stuff, you can also find me in our diamond Patreon group, answering questions and providing stuff there. What about you, Mark? So there's a joke inside the miles to memories team
0: that every time something bad happens on Ryan's trip, that I get excited and it is true. So the clicks. it's not a joke. The clicks.
1: It's only he's a like, joke. In the.
0: he's like, he's like, it's only a joke in the sense that we awkwardly laugh about it, but it's, it's he's <laughs> like, Oh, I'm stranded uh, stranded here for another week. And uh, DDG's like a gif of a guy evilly laughing. Like, yes, this it's, is amazing. Mark is pumped. <laughs> So yes, that does happen. But uh, even to be my fair, wife, it's even always,
1: my wife
2: knows about this joke at this point. <laughs> to be fair, it's always like Mark's like, "Are you okay?" Like, "Oh, Ryan, you have malaria? Are you okay?" Ryan's like, "Yeah, I'll be fine." And then Mark's okay, like, "Okay, cool." Yes! I'm like, "Right I'm about like, it."
0: <laughs> yeah, I sent him a message like, "Hey, that when you uh after you file all your insurance paperwork and you get paid back for this hotel stay, that would be a great article." <laughs> you should have Mark, you should have uh you should have let him expense the water.
1: Yeah, exactly i wish i had a receipt for that
0: yeah he can expense everything because he's you know he travels and he writes about it so perfect world you get but when a guy buys it and you just give him cash you can't write that off i guess no i have a receipt (laughs) for me you can email me mark at miles to memories follow me on twitter at detroit mark Uh, comment on any of the articles on miles to memories we have 47.2 articles per week i had to fill in for sean there (laughs) <laughs> if you didn't, if you didn't,
1: I was gonna take that joke also. Uh,
0: or you, you know, join our Facebook groups, our Patreon group. Uh, in there all the time. Facebook message me. However you want to get a hold of me. How about you, Joe? I think uh, Ryan already got you covered, but
2: <laughs> yeah, Ryan covered it. So thank you, Ryan. I do want to say if you are enjoying the podcast, you know, you can find old episodes of the podcast on Apple Podcast, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, all those places. Uh, you can also. You know, connect with the podcast, mdmpodcast.com. Leave us a review. Uh, we really appreciate that. Uh, yeah, Sean will be back next week. Unfortunately, this was not a train wreck like it normally is without him. But uh, next time Sean's not here, we'll do better. And uh, we'll make sure it's a train wreck. Ryan, you're too, you're too pro.
1: Well, it's because I've stayed at thousands of hotels. <laughs>
0: Oh, Sean Sean listens to this on his way to California. He's got burned so many times. (laughs) Third degree.
2: I'm not going to call them out, but there are certain members of the Miles to Memories team who never listen to the podcast. So, Ryan, respect. Respect. Anyway, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Thanks again, Ryan, for coming, and uh, we will talk to you all next week. Bye. 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 Bye.
0: Um, okay, so you did two things on this trip that are my two biggest fears. One, sharks can't stand; sharks freak me out. Uh, the other one is uh, getting stuck in a foreign hotel in, you know, uh, a lower end, like a third world country, or not a hotel. What did, did I say? Hotel? Hospital. Yeah, but like getting. All right, Joe, cut that, cut that all out.